Today I want to speak in line with relationship with God. One of the things that makes relationship with God shallow is because people don't understand this concept, giving and receiving. That's what we're talking about today. Is that all right? All right, it's not giving and receiving in terms of money. Just, it's a lot more than that. So just watch what I'm about to say. Okay? It's not giving and receiving when it has, that has to do with There's nothing about money here that I'm talking about. God is not demanding a lot more than that. So just stay with me. Stay with me. Relationship, by definition, is not supposed to be one-dimensional. Relationship, by definition, is not supposed to be one-dimensional, including relationship with God. It is not designed to be one-dimensional, whereby here you are as the person, you pray to God, God give me a job, God give me this, God give me good health, God protect me from coronavirus, God, you know, and all of that is good, it's biblical, it's scriptural, you should do that. But that's not a relationship. Doing that is not a relationship. Okay? And perhaps one of the reasons why people are frustrated in the place of making supplications or requests to God is because they don't have a relationship. Okay? Now let's look at the quick scripture. John chapter 15, verse 7. John 15, verse 7. Look at this now. You see, the uh, implicit in this verse is the idea of relationship. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you see, this is not one-dimensional now, right? You abide in me, and also my own words also abide in you. So you see two abiding now. You abide in me, I abide in you, then you will ask what you desire. What will happen? So one of the reasons why we see that many prayers go unanswered and people are frustrated when they make requests to God is that they're making requests to God without a relationship. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, so that's a relationship now. That's a two-way street. Okay? Not if you abide in me. No, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. There's a giving and receiving implicit in that verse. Is that correct? All right, so let's get to this now. So giving and receiving, what, it, what are we talking about here when we're talking about giving and receiving? How does that apply to our relationship with God? First, remember this. You and I can only enjoy relationship with God to the degree to which we're willing to play our part. So, Basically, here is David. We committed our lives to Christ, same day, same time, around the same season. Three years down the road, I found out that the things of God seem to be a lot more real to him. There's a sense that he has a bit more assurance working with God. He's a lot, a bit more passionate, more zealous. He, 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 there is a sense that he has this relationship with God, and I'm lacking the same thing. But, you know, we're kind of like, you know, we ran the streets together, but now we are in church together around the same time. So what happened? What has happened is not because God is partial. What has happened is that he has been able to, he was willing to play his own part. God meets us 
to the degree to which you are willing to respond. Please, this is a very important principle. James chapter 4, verse 8, New Living Translation. James chapter 4, verse 8, New Living Translation. Look at what it says. Come close to God, and what will happen? So who makes the first step to come close to God? You and me. You come close to God, and God will do what? So I come close to God, one. I don't want to go beyond this. And God takes one step, too. But I come close to God, one, two, three. Then God also takes steps. It reciprocates. God, when it comes to relationship, God is reciprocating your own move. So you move closer to him, then God reciprocates that. Please, this is very important for the foundation of the rest of your Christianity. Anywhere you go to in the world, for all those joining us online, we appreciate you and we thank God that you are part of this. But anywhere you are in the world, anywhere you go to in the world, today you are here, you know, who knows, in the next five years, you come out of school now, you get a job on Wall Street, who knows, you know, you get one powerful job with, you know, um, some, some amazing company, you know, in the, on Wall Street, an investment bank on Wall Street. Somebody says, you know, I don't know if you remember Pastor Wally. You know, we used to be in the United Church with Pastor Wally. He said, Pastor what? I don't understand, but I don't know what PWA is. But, you know, it, that doesn't matter. Just know who God is. Take, <laughs> take what I'm saying today with you anywhere you go. This is how to get close to God. Are you ready to understand this? You better remember me. <laughs> All right, just, just pull it next. All right, so, so the, the degree to which you move towards God is the degree to which God moves towards you. God will never give you more than you can handle. He will never ask you or demand from you more than you're willing to give to him. And there's a simple reason for that. The reason is this. Everything God asks or demands or requests of you, he wants you to give it voluntarily. He wants you to give it with all of your heart. He wants you to give it with all of your heart, not under compulsion, not out of necessity. All right? Okay, so let's do this now. So, I said giving and receiving, didn't I? Come on, didn't I? Giving and receiving. So let's start with, what does God give? After all, if he's giving and receiving, God needs to be giving some gifts. Be careful of being in a physical relationship with somebody, you know, maybe man-woman man relationship, that's always receiving from you and not giving you anything. You're not going to eventually have a relationship with that person, okay? You're not going to have a relationship with that person. You're going to have, well, in biology, they will call it a relationship. A parasitic association is what you will have from the person. You know what a parasite is? That's what you're going to have. A parasitic relationship, just drawing from you, drawing from you, drawing from you, drawing from you. If you've ever lived in the tropics or traveled to the tropics or holidayed or vacationed in the tropics, you should know something called, but you must have heard about something called mosquito. Anybody ever heard about the word mosquito? You look at somebody that's been bitten by mosquitoes before. Now, mosquitoes are, <laughs> you know, part, they come, they jump on you, not to, do, not to compliment you, to always take from you. And they take from you deeply into you. You know, they pull blood out of you. And unfortunately, when they're going, they leave what is not good in your body. Called parasite that gives you malaria. 
But anyway, when what does God leave with us? What does he give to us? Remember the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So, listen, love in the Bible, God kind of love in the Bible is defined by two things. One, selflessness. Number two, giving. Selflessness and giving. So, when God says, I love you, what God is saying is, I want you to see me as completely selfless towards you and there's nothing I have that I cannot give you. That's what it means when God says, I love you. So when the Bible says he loved his own and he loved them to the very end, it means he was selfless to his own and opened up and was ready to give them everything to the very end. Are you following now? All right. Okay. So what is it that God will give? What is it that we can expect from God? Since it's giving and receiving. Now, in the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter, this is what God gives. 2 Peter, I'll give you the phrase in a minute. Chapter 1 and verse 3. God practically gives what is described as all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's what God gives. Did you see that, eh? the phrase there? All things that pertain to life and what? Does gainful employment pertain to life? Now, I'm not insulting your intelligence. I'm asking you these questions for meditation purposes. Does gainful employment, does it pertain to life? Right? Does good health pertain to life? Right? Does you sitting in your exams and passing your exams, does it pertain to life? So, whatever, does protection pertain to life? You need it. <laughs> it pertains to life. Now, everything you can think of that pertains to life and godliness. In other words, that pertains to life without violating the principles of godliness. That's what it means. So, that means that you can't follow me out now. See my car now and say, oh, I claim that. No, it pertains to life, but not godliness for you. You follow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything that pertains to life, not godliness for you now, that's what I mean. In the future, you have something way better than that in Jesus' name. So, godliness, so that pertains to life without violating the principles of godliness. Now, please, that's what God is willing to give. So, the God is coming to the table. So, think of God. God is coming to the table and saying, listen, guys, this is what I'm bringing to the table. Jesus Christ, I've sent him, he's died for you, you're born again now. Now that you're a born again Christian, now that you're a Christian, I'm willing to put on the table everything that now pertains to your life and godliness. He wants you to live life and enjoy this life to the fullness. I have come that you have that life and have it abundantly. Are you following now? So then, if that is what God is bringing to the table, what is he expecting you and me to also bring to the table? I'm sure you'll be glad to know. Are you ready to know this? You're not sure? Somebody's like, oh God, there we go now. This is going to be tough. Just listen, just listen. At least, if you will not do it, at least you should be aware of it. Huh? To give yourself options. Uh-huh. At least be aware. Let me give you the three most important things that I'm going to conclude that God is asking for. The first thing God is asking for, he expects you to bring to the table. Three. 
most important thing. As, if you do these three things, <laughs> you don't even need to worry about any other thing. I'm telling you. you will, God will seek you out constantly. And I mean that. Constantly, he will seek you out. What are these three things? Number one, the first thing God requires of you and of me is your heart. Your heart. Your heart. That's the first thing God is asking for. Your what? Your heart. Proverbs 23, 26. Put it on the screen. This is what God is asking for. Proverbs 23, 26. Look at this. My son, give me your... Did you see that? My son, give me your what? Your heart. That's what God is asking for. So what am I asking for? What are you asking for, Lord? Your heart, my heart. But why is that? Because... And from the abundance of the heart, that's where life comes from. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Whoever gains control of your heart has gained control of your life. So God is saying, I want to be fully involved in your life, not to control you, not to manipulate your life. It is God now. Remember, his love is, can be described with two main characteristics. What's the first one? His love. Self, selflessness and, and giving, right? Okay, so this God that is selfless completely, that is always giving, okay, and gives in abundance, he's saying, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Because whoever controls your heart and controls information into your heart controls your life, which means they control your destiny. How do I know that? You've heard of the man called Judas Iscariot in the Bible? Anybody ever heard of Judas Iscariot? All right. You know, he betrayed Jesus, right? For, for, for 30, 30 shekels, right? All right. So do you know how he got to that point? Do you know how difficult it is for you to sit down with somebody, eat with them, play with them, work with them, plan with them, and suddenly one day you decide to sell them off? It's difficult in human relationship. But do you know how he got to that point? John chapter 13, verse 2. That's how it started. Supper being ended. The devil having already put it away in the heart of Judas Iscariot. He put that thought in his heart. Whoever gains control of your heart, gains control. So when he put it in his heart and he received that, he was no longer the one in control of his heart. Technically, Satan was telling him what to do. You have to be, understand that. What, the first thing God is looking for is your what? Speak to me, church, please. So let's confirm this, right? Let's confirm this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to verse 40. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Okay. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord. No, let's start from 36, actually. Let's look at what he asked Jesus and what he's answering. Which is the great commandment in the law? That's what they asked him. The Lord was, what is it God, God is demanding of me? Let's, answer, let's look at Jesus' answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your... That's the first thing he mentioned. With all of your heart. Then he now goes on. With all of your soul. Keep going. With all of your mind. Keep going. This is the first. First. In other words, if you give God any other thing without giving God your heart, God is not interested. Some people give God money. Some people want to give... You know, some people, they live their life anyhow, anyhow. Then towards the end of their life, they say, oh... Oh, I think I need to do something. Then they start, want to start build a church as in a physical building. 
You know, someone will go into church and say, what is needed in this church? Let's buy a piano. Let's buy an organ. Let's buy... No, God is not interested in money. God is interested in our heart. My son, your heart. Jesus said it's the first and the great commandment. First. First. Anything you're going to give God must be secondary to God, you giving God your heart. Then, the, what actually baffles me is verse 40. Look at verse 40. Look at what it says in verse 40. Jesus is still speaking. He said, on these two commandments, the second commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hangs all of the law and the prophet. The implication of this is this. Every other thing you see in the Bible, every other principle in the Bible will not work beyond the level to which you have given God your heart. So, for example, let me give you an example. An example of a principle in the Bible is Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given. That's an example of a principle in the Bible. Ask and it shall be what? James chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you ask not. So ask. God has promised there will be, you will receive. But it can only work to the degree to which you have given God your heart. Why? Every principle in the whole Bible hangs on this principle, Jesus Christ said. If you want to make your Christianity productive, friends, what I'm sharing with you, I'm telling you people have been Christians for, I'm not I'm saying this sarcastically, I'm saying what, you know, what really burdens me. People have been Christians for 30 years, 35 years. People are pastors, people are bishops, people are founders of ministry. They didn't understand this principle. The struggle. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. That's the first thing God is demanding. Your heart. Your heart. That's what God is demanding. What else is God demanding? Let's unpack this. What else is God demanding? Number two, God is demanding, second thing God wants you to give him, your body. Body. Your body. The first one is what? The second one is your body. Someone say my body as in literally my body. That's correct. Your body. So, so how do I do that? Okay, so let's look at how you do that. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And look at what I want you to see what it says. Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech you. I beseech. Beseech is a very old English word of I plead, I strongly plead with you. Okay? So I strongly plead with you by the mercies of God. So it's writing to the church now. It's writing the book of Romans. It's written to the church. Keep on going, please. That you present what? Your bodies as a what? Holy and what? Acceptable to God. Keep on going and see what it is. It is your reasonable service. In other words, this request God is making is not unreasonable. Now, to present your body, listen carefully, does not mean become a suicide bomber. Okay? Don't, doesn't mean that treat your body anyhow. What is basically saying is this. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. First Corinthians 6, 13. Please. Food for the stomach, stomach for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. That means both that, that system of food in the stomach gets excreted, is going to end when we die. That's what it means there. All right? Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord, you see this exchange now, for the body. 
So he's saying here that when we commit the way to commit our body to God is to abstain from sexual immorality. Are you still with me? And he says it is our what? I'm going to preach it. No matter how you look at me, I'm going to preach this. All right? I do have a responsibility to preach it, and then you have a choice to reject it or to accept it. Is that okay? So just let me do my own job. All right? <laughs> you can say, I don't care what about this man is in. I, don't, I couldn't care less. That's fine. You have a choice. But I've got to do what I have to do. It says, I'm going to teach you the truth. All right? How we give our bodies to God is to flee from useful lust. Now, let me say this to you. It has been found out, you know, scientifically, there are, there, you know, when the Bible says, he that, he that sins against his, he that commits sexual immorality, sins against his own body. It has been found out scientifically, there are certain things that affect the functionality and effectiveness of our brain. Pornography is one of them you will not believe how, how ubiquitous it is. Not only in the world, but all over the place, even, in, even, even among people that come to church. And I'm not, listen, listen, I don't condemn anybody. All right, this is, this is a New Testament church. I believe in New Testament church. Whoever is in Christ, there's no condemnation. I'm not condemning any, anybody, okay? But I'm, I, 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 I'm challenged people not to stay the way they are. Everybody and everybody is invited to come to Christ the way they are. But Christ is saying, don't stay the way you are. Does it make sense to you? Yeah. Okay? Hook on pornography. I was reading the story of a young lady. See, that said at the age of 11, she got, lady, she got hooked on pornography and it seriously messed up her brain. Seriously messed up her brain. I know many people that cannot engage. I know of a guy that was schooling in in Toronto, in the university, this guy was a first-class guy, a very, very smart guy. Suddenly, he just could not do much anymore. His parents came and told me about it. Why? Because of pornography and masturbation. When he sleeps, when he wakes up in the morning, whatever he's doing, he's just, oh, that's all he's just thinking about. Pornography, masturbation, pornography, masturbation, and it's just a cycle. Pornography, masturbation in the morning, pornography, masturbation hours later. That's all he's just thinking. So he could not even concentrate. Eventually, he had to leave school. I'm not telling you, I'm telling you what I know. Okay? Now, like I said again, no, I'm not condemning you. If, you, if it ever happens to anybody watching online, or you here, or maybe not you, maybe somebody sitting next to you. You know? But the point here is this. You can't that's part of real Christianity. Real Christianity is not to justify the way you are. Real Christianity is to move towards the person you ought to be. Are you hearing me now? Real Christianity is not for you to bring down the standard so that you can, you can feel good. Real Christianity is to ask God for help to meet his standard so that you can live right. Is this making sense to you now? That's real Christianity. You ask God, oh, I, this standard is too high for me. I can't meet this, Lord. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, <laughs> I was, I'm telling you a true life story. When I was at the age of 16, age of 16, one day I was, I was in, we call it secondary school, right? Which is high school. I was age 15, 
going 16, school had finished. I was coming out of my school compound, walking on the street on my way home. When I saw some group of boys in my school, they started making fun of me, teasing me and making fun of me. And basically they were saying, you know, basically what they were saying was that, oh, this guy is only good in academics. All he does is just academics. The guy is just a sissy, you know, he's just an academics asshole. But he's a soft guy, you have no girlfriend, he doesn't do anything, just books only. That really hit my ego. So I turned, I went there. And I said, I knew them. Oh, they were in my class. I went to say hello to them. Ah, what's happening? Ah, nah, nah. So I spoke to one of them that I knew. I said, what's going on? So, so, so. I said, why are you saying, why are you abusing me? And all of that. So the guy said, you're just, it's only books you know and everything. So he was smoking. So just to show that it's not only books that I'm interested in, because I used to represent my school in quizzes. So that it's not only that. So he was smoking. They were all smoking. So the guy was smoking. So I said, I took that from him. Half cigarette was about half now. I took it. I can't even ask what kind of cigarette it was. I just, I didn't even, that was my first time. I just inhaled it until it got to the <laughs> back of my head. You know, I coughed, coughed, coughed. coughed. They, said, ah, they all laughed at me and everything. But you know, it got better and better. Nobody told me that nicotine was terribly addictive. Then I got admission to university. I got into university, wanted to roll with the big boys. Incidentally, <laughs> I said I wanted to, at least I was a big boy. I wanted to, incidentally, part of the unwritten rule is that you just have to do some things like that. You, have, they have, you must have one bad thing you're doing. It's just the unwritten rule in my days, okay? So the, the least I could do was to smoke and drink seriously. And I mean seriously. So I started smoking, drinking, started smoking, drinking. Age 16, 17, I was already an alcoholic plus a nicotine addict. I'm, I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating, I'm telling you a true life story. By the time I got to London, by the time I was in my 20s, I used to smoke 20 sticks of consulate menthol a day in my early 20s, by the time I was 20, 21. When I wake up in the morning, that's what I know. And I studied pharmacy, so I understand what addiction is. By the time I wake up in the morning, the first thing that comes to my mind, not only comes to my mind, that my body really wants is smoke. Even when I was in London, England, in the cold, I would step outside of the house in the cold because my auntie does not like smoking in the house. And I'll be smoking in the cold, shivering at the same time smoking. And I'll smoke from 5 a.m. until I go to bed around 11 p.m. Then drinking, I drank so much that when one of the breweries in Nigeria at that time called um, um, Nigerian Breweries Limited, one of the big breweries in Nigeria, wanted to introduce a product to compete with an established competitor. That product was called Legend, Legend Stout. They were looking for people in my own particular region, geographical area. And you know, the way they look for people, if you're looking for people that drink, where do you look for them? Where they drink. So they went to places, key places where they drank in that region, asked them where are the boys that are really, really always rolling here on Friday nights. And you know, incidentally, they picked me as one of the boys. True. And I was used as a, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the billboard, for the poster. Because I, I fit in with their profile. Nice mommy's boy, studying pharmacy, that looks like water will not melt, butter will not melt in his mouth, like they would say but drinks like a fish. So I, I had that. Now I now give my life to Christ. I've given my life to Christ. My spirit is transformed, but my body is craving nicotine. 
My body's craving alcohol. But something told me, instead of me justifying it and saying, oh, I'm just a social drinker, oh, kind of like once in a while kind of a guy, you know, just you know, a stick here, a stick there, you know, it doesn't really matter. Oh, no, there's no place in the Bible. Jesus didn't preach about cigarettes. Oh, Jesus, I didn't justify it. I just said to myself, present your body a living sacrifice. The body is not your own, it's for the Lord. All right, so what do I do, Lord? I thought it was an impossible task. What do I do, Lord? And God helped me to meet in standard. I'm telling you a true life story. Last time I smoked, last time I took a drink, an uh, alcoholic drink, was 1995. You know, that's what, 26 years ago? Yeah, 26 years ago. That's it. So I thought, was it easy? It wasn't. First one or two weeks, it was not easy. I felt like I was going to die. It felt like that. Satan told me in my mind, this is never going to work. You're going to come back and you will be worse off. You know, some people say, you know, some people say, well, you know, when I, 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 I remember I met the man, the man said, ah, you know, I was able to break the habit of alcohol and, and all of that. And the man said, but one day I was traveling and I saw an advert, you know, uh, you know in the airport, you know, you see all these adverts. He said, I saw an advert and I just felt tempted. For me, you can give me every advert in the world you show me, show me on paper, put it in front of me, I don't feel tempted. Why? Because what God does, he does, he doesn't just take it off your mind. He takes the desire out of your heart. So when you look at it now, you have no pull towards it. Just the same way I'm looking at you right now, I don't feel like kissing you. Do you understand? It's not personal, don't take it personal. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm looking at you right now. You look good for him. You look, both of you, you look very good for him. Man. But I don't, I don't feel anything towards you. I love you as a father would love his son. Uh, you, do you understand? Uh, so the, that desire is not in me. Meanwhile, somebody else will see you. I'll be following you around. I'll be asking for your number. You see? It's a desire issue. So it's not that I'm not seeing you. I just that I don't have that desire. Okay. So you don't stay where you are. So God wants you to give, him his, give you your body. You know, also, this is also part of why we, how we fast. You know, fasting, if you, know, you give God your body, denying yourself the pleasures of a meal, maybe breakfast, lunch, you know, for, so that you can move a bit closer to God. Someone say, well, what, what does food have to do with moving closer to God? A lot. Man disobeyed God through the instrumentality of a food God told man not to eat. In the Garden of Eden, God told man, don't eat this, eat this. The man said, no. The man went in conjunction with his wife. They took it and they ate it. As a result of that, part of now, how we move towards God is, is what Jesus said. Man shall now not live by bread alone. So there's a time then when you have to leave bread alone and now focus on the word of God. Does it make sense to somebody? So I said all of that to say, we're going to be fasting. <laughs> okay, I will encourage you to join us, but it's all right. From Monday, not, not tomorrow, but the upper Monday. Okay. All right. So your body. The final thing, number three I want to talk about. These are the three most important things. What's the first one again? Your heart. What's the second one? The third one is your mind. Your heart, body, mind. Heart, body, mind. Heart, 
body, mind. Your heart, your body, your mind. If you give God these three things, you will build your relationship with God to a level that is unlimited. As far as you want to go with God, nothing will restrict you anymore. Your mind, what does that mean? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. How do I give my mind to God? He said, do not be conformed to the world. Maybe we should, we should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, let's do, let's do New Living Translation. Are you being blessed by this at all? All right. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. That's it. The way you think. So, as a Christian, listen carefully. Our role is not to follow. We can understand. We can read about. But our role is not to follow pop culture or popular culture. Popular culture should not dictate to us our own culture because we already have our own culture called the kingdom culture. Are you following now? Kingdom culture. And the only way you'll be able to do that instinctively is when your thinking has changed. God needs your mind. Your destiny cannot be fulfilled no matter how much power God has without your thinking aligning with God's thinking. Let me tell you one of the ways God thinks. Can we talk? Can we talk today? Let me tell you one of the ways God thinks. God thinks big, but God always starts small. Write it down, please. Write it down. This is a, I think this is very, very relevant for you. God thinks how, but he always starts. That is why he says in Zechariah, Zechariah, okay, Chapter 4, verse 10. Look at this. Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 10. Do not despise the small beginnings. Did you see that? God thinks big, but starts how? God doesn't start big. He thinks big, but he starts small. Jesus also showed us this in Mark, chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. Let's look at it. Mark, chapter 4, verse 30. He said, to what will I like in the kingdom of God? Or to what parable shall we picture it? Keep going. It's like a mustard seed, which when it is small, sown on the ground, is smaller, smaller than all the seeds. You see, it starts small. Keep going then. But when it is so, it grows up and becomes greater. Starts smaller, but becomes greater. Starts smaller, but becomes greater. The big challenge many people are you want to blow up very quickly. You want them to, you want people to know that you've arrived, man. You want to, so people don't want to start small. They don't understand that the kingdom of God never starts big. If God wants to do something great in your life that will cover every part of the world, it will not start from every part of the world. You will be thinking, your thinking will be, this business is going to go to every part of the world. That will be your thinking. And that's what he expects your thinking to be. But when you are going to start the execution of it, it will be small. Why? Well, that's not my preaching today. But just because I see the way you're looking. Uh, part of the reason is that it is far cheaper to learn your lessons when you start small. Now, 
I want, you, want, you, want, you want to train a, a pilot for his Boeing 747. How do you train a pilot for a Boeing 747? Get the man a good uniform, put him in the cockpit, and tell him to fly from here to Florida. Is that how you train them? No, you throw them in the workroom in Mississauga here, in the simulator. The simulator looks like a plane, right? You put the man in the simulator. The man doesn't go into a plane. You put him in the simulator. He gets to the simulator, he begins to move things. Then, oh! then the instructor says, hey, you're going to crash the plane. Then he crashes the plane. On the screen, you see a splash of red, but he's able to come out of the simulator. And so the instructor says, you failed lesson one, but we'll go back again in the afternoon. Imagine if that lesson one was at 40,000 altitude above sea level. So you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to have to learn some lessons. So God arranges it so that you learn, then by the time you get up, you have mastered the basics. And your faithfulness in mastering the basics, then God allows you. Incidentally, talking about relationship, that is what courtship is for. That's what courtship is for. Courtship is to master the basics, not to master each other's body. Hmm, Selah. This is what makes things work. The basics. Master the basics. You master the basics. You start small. You start understanding things about each other. Things, and I'm going to teach on this. I promise you I'm going to teach on that. You know, from the time you meet, you start talking about certain substantial issues that you start getting into. Things that you need to know. Okay? Things that you need to know. Things you really need to know. Emotions that you need to know, not that they are necessarily um, a no-no, but you need to know how to manage such relationships. Certain things that will show up that you will need to know how to manage, how to deflate conflicts, how to recognize conflict at the onset, okay, and how to fuel conflict. <laughs> So let's look at it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let me wrap up for today. Um, I hope you gained something today. What are these three most important things you have to give to God? And your mind. Look at it. Philippians chapter 2 and the fifth verse. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Keep going, please. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. I will explain that some other time but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant. Stop there. Your thinking must align with the thinking of God. God is saying that be sure of who you are. Be secure in your person. And when you are really, when you really have personal security, you are secure in yourself. That's what allows you to serve other people. If you don't have this mindset, you won't be able to serve. If I say to you now, David, Please take my, please David, take my shoes, take him to the car for me. I appreciate that. If you don't have the mind of God, okay, and this is supposed to be service, right? So he, this man is working, he's volunteered, for example, to work in the protocol team, okay, with me. So he's serving God by serving me. Do you understand that? Do you understand? All right. So I said, David, please, please, can you take these shoes and take it to my um, trunk for me. 
And he's picking up the shoe. And he thought comes in his mind. So that's all they've reduced it to. A shoe carrier. Now, that thought is coming from his flesh. The natural ego of man. You've been reduced. So somebody meets him and says, Hey, hi, David, where are you going? He says, I'm just taking these shoes. And they say, ah, that's what you're doing now. Now, but the mind of Christ tells you that I know who I am. You know, I work on Bay Street. You know, I'm a VP there. I'm a director, but I'm just volunteering in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, humility is the stairs that will climb into greatness. So look at what it says here. Keep going there. Coming in likeness of men. Keep going. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Did you see that? And became obedient to the point of death. Keep going. Even death, of course. Therefore, verse 9, God has now highly exalted him. So in the kingdom of God, what brings about the high exaltation or high promotion is the humility. This mind has to be in you. Amen? You need, so you're thinking, but how do we do that? The only way your thinking can change. That's why God said, give me your mind. is for you to commit yourself to study the Bible. Nothing else changes our thinking like studying the Bible. Someone say, where should I study in the Bible? Everywhere. For all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That's how your thinking will change. Studying the Bible. As you study the Bible, just read the Bible. Someone say, where do I start from? We're starting on January 10th. We're reading the New Testament for 90 days. Join us. Let's do that together. You know, let's do that together. As we start, by the time you finish the 90 days, something will have happened to your mind. You, they've, they've, they've trained you. You know, you know, I went to the university to study pharmacy. When I got into the university, I was just a secondary school or high school graduate without having the knowledge of sciences and all of that, physics, chemistry, biology, and all of that. You know, mathematics. I just had a good knowledge of that. But I was not I was as far from a pharmacist as you can think of. But sitting in that classroom, day after day after day for years, one day, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, that's the pharmacist. What has happened to me is that what they were telling me, what I was hearing, and what I was reading, and hearing, and reading, it transformed me. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? That's how it works. The same thing with God. Just sit down, read the book. Come to church here. Read your Bible. Come to church here. I will recommend some books to you because we're completing the renovation of our bookshop. Still will be ready in January by God's grace. Okay? So I'll recommend some books to you. If you can't afford it, I'll pay for the first set of books for you. Okay? Or better still, you get OSAP loan. <laughs> just joking. No, I'll give it free. I'll give it free. I just want you to succeed. That's all. You know, I'll, I'll give you some of, the, some of it free. Just transform your thinking. Sit down with this thing. Then you're thinking. You know, that's what transformed my thinking. That's what transformed my thinking. Let me tell you something. Do you know why? And I say this not to boast. I don't say this to boast. And I don't say this sarcastically against any church or anything. But the reason why here in House of Grace, you know, and of course you've seen it in the guy church, why you can never hear me or any one of us come to the pulpit to beg for money or to make, to call for money and talk about money and talk about giving. There's a reason for that. It's not just because we just do it that way. It's because our thinking was completely transformed because I studied the scripture and something happened to my thinking. Let me give you an example. You know, all, a lot of things we do in House of Praise, 
like what we're going to do now, what we used to do called Open Heavens, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's free. How many of you have ever been to Open Heavens before? All right, quite a few. It's completely free. You know, we had a tea party here for ladies. Okay, this whole place was packed completely, I mean packed, wall to wall, with ladies, tea party, had fun, completely free. We do breakfast meetings, free. If not for pandemic shutdown now, we'll have done men's breakfast meeting for Ignite Church, free. Ladies' breakfast meeting, we'll have done all of that, and we're still going to do it. Completely free. Why do we do that? Do you know why, why we do that? Somebody said, how do you do all of that? Won't people pay for anything? And some people get very anxious, some people get upset. And I tell them, why? Why would they have to pay for it? And someone said, but how then, where do you get the money from? From God. How? Because it's very simple. Stand up. Let me tell you how God renewed my mind. One of the things God showed me one day is this. So here I am as the father. This is my son. It's my son. It also happens that because it's my son, he's also working with me. Are you following? So I have my... Do you, anybody has a bank card? Give me a bank card. A bank card. Just give me a bank card for illustration purposes. Don't worry, I'm not going to use it. All right. So... Here I have my bank card. All right? So I'm the father, remember? You remember? I'm the father. So this is my son. Who also, so I want to send him on an errand now. Right? So I call and say, David, come here. So David comes, take a step forward. All right, so I said, David, you know, this, all of these wonderful people are my guests. They suddenly showed up in my house. Look at them, hundreds of them. They suddenly showed up in my house. I want to... Um, fix breakfast for them. And um, it happens that I'm just not in a position to cook all up for every one of them. So I want to, so David, um, here you go. Take this card. So I give the card to David. No, before I, sorry, before I give the card to David, I said to David, David, please take a piece of paper. This is how God renewed my mind. Take a piece of paper. I want to ask every single person what they want. Take their orders. So David takes a piece of paper, comes to him, says, what do you like? This one says, I just want peppermint tea. That's all you want? No bagel? Nothing? No peppermint tea. So David is happy. Comes to her. She says, mm, nothing really. Just warm water. That's all you want? So David is already happy. Okay? Because it's not expensive, right? Then David comes to this man called Osaru. He says, what about you? He says, ah. Osaru says, ah. Give me a minute. Osaru says, give me, just give me a minute. Then he says, I want um, plain toasted bagel, uh, four. I want egg sandwich, praise God, with cheese. Uh, and so while he's saying all that, then he remembers, he says, and I want croissant. Then by the time he's, he's only about 12, David is getting a little bit upset. Right? And why he's getting upset is that somebody else is ordering small peppermint tea, another person is ordering water, What's your problem? Why? You want to finish my father's money? But you have to remember, it is not his money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is not David's money because he, didn't own, he doesn't own the card. Neither are they David's people. They did not come to the house to look for David. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They came to the house to look for David's dad. You understand? So David's dad is the one responsible for them. David, you can take a seat. The dad is the one responsible for them. So 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Look at it. Mark chapter 2, verse 2. Look at it. Look at it. Mark chapter 2, verse 2. This is how God renewed my mind. Immediately, let's start from verse 1. Start from verse 1. This is, I'm talking about thinking the way God thinks. Again, he entered Capernaum after some days. Who is he? Guess, who is he? Jesus, yeah? God in flesh, yeah? Jesus. So Jesus entered Capernaum after many days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Who is in the house now? Huh? All right, look at verse 2 then. Immediately, many gathered together. They gathered together. Now, where were they gathered? why did they gather together? Because Jesus is in the house. Just in case you think it was a mistake, Mark chapter 10, verse 1. Just, this one will show you clearly. Mark 10, 1. He arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. Keep going, please. And the multitudes gathered to who now? To him. So the gathering of the people is not to the pastor of the church. The pastor has administrative responsibility to manage efficiently and effectively. But he does not own the church, neither does he own the people. They don't gather to the pastor. You came here today not because of me. That's the truth. You came here today to hear God, to meet with God. You understand? It will be, it will be a serious misplacement and overinflated ego to think that you came here because I could preach. You didn't come here to meet with me. I'm not stupid. Even my son will not come here to meet with me. That's the truth. My wife, my wife will not even come here to meet with me. And she's been with me for 26 years. She would rather just be at home enjoying herself or go to square one mall or go to a mall. She will not even be here to listen to me. But because God is within me, speaking using me, that's why you came. That's why they came. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So now because you came because of him, I can't bring you and I can't sustain you. So I, you came because of him and because he's a responsible father, he has to do. My responsibility then, after he has gone to take all those orders, is to come back to me and say, I've taken all the orders. He's not going to use his own card now. Then well, after he says he's taking that, I say, all right, here you go. You take this and go and deal with it. The interesting thing is that when God gives you his card, his card is endless. It has no credit limit. In other words, you just use your own faith. You use your own faith. And you say, Lord, this is what the breakfast meeting is going to cost, X amount of money. That's how I do it. They tell me how much it's going to cost. Then I say, Lord, I'm expecting 500 people for the breakfast meeting at $25 each. This is what it's costing me, $12,500, HST, tax, venue, individual, everything. Call it $20,000. Lord, this is your bill. It's $20,000. Because my own bill is $20. Do you understand what I've just said? My own bill is twenty. That's what is going to feed me for breakfast. And I don't know all these people. They didn't come here because of me. Thank you. They didn't come here because of me. So this is your bill. You created this opportunity. So you better pay for it. Then he gives me the ideas, shows me, the, gives me the favor to be able to receive that. And all I just do is provide it for you. So when people are thanking me, they, you know, I have to be very careful. When David has to be careful, when he comes back and gives Osaro his food, Osaro says, oh, thank you, David. David says, oh, yeah, no, not a problem at all. Thank you. You're very much welcome. He has to be very careful because really he's not responsible for it. So when they say thank you, he should understand that that thank you they sent to him is actually a message to his father that sent him. So when he comes back to me, he has to come and tell me that the people said thank you. They were really excited about it. Do you understand this concept? 
As simple as this thing sounds, that is how we've been able to run things for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, doing all the open levels, 10,000 people coming, paying over half a million dollars, doing all of those things, because of this very simple, what looks rudimentary concept. Because God renewed my mind. So when people say thank you, I just go to God and say, Lord, you know, the ladies enjoyed the tea party. They had tremendous fun. Everybody had fun. Even me, I took part of the sausages. You know, it was good. We all had fun. Thank you for sponsoring it. And God says, okay, that's fine. Then he's looking for the next one. Because the glory gets to him. That's what we means when we say we give glory to God. Let me, let me explain this to you for you to understand how powerful this thing is. And I close with it, don't worry, uh, because of time. One day, you know, somebody came and uh, was complaining about the church, basically. Was complaining. Just complaining about a few things. And, you know, their complaint was a little bit unjust. Really, you know, sometimes people can do that. Definitely, there's some um, constructive criticism or suggestion, however you want to put it, that is much welcome. But in this particular, on this specific occasion, it was a lot unjust, it was a lot of misunderstanding. But the person complained. And so, as I was driving home in the car, so I, said, I was saying to God, but Lord, this is unfair. This, what this person is complaining about has nothing to do with us. This is all made up. This has nothing to do with me. This is unfair. Why, 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 why am I being blamed for that? I, I don't understand this. This is unfair. So I was saying all of this to God in my car as I was driving home. Then suddenly I heard the voice of God in my heart. You, and you'll be surprised what God told me. It was very simple. And God said, it wasn't you they were complaining about. And remember the story of Moses? They were complaining about me. So when, I said, when he said that, I said, the more reason why, why are they coming to me? Then God said something to me I will not forget. He said, when the people are happy with me, that's God speaking now, when the people are happy with me, they give you gifts. You didn't do anything for them. I give them miracles. I give them open doors. And they're happy with me. They come and they say, oh, pastor, I sow in a seed. And they give you a gift. And you collect it and you're smiling. So if you don't want to collect the complaint, then you won't collect the gift. So I said, okay, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Just let them, let them be coming. <laughs> you understand? That shows you that the person that is really responsible is God. Does it make sense to you? That's why during our solution nights, there's one song we sang throughout. Take the stage, Lord. Take the stage. You know? Take the stage. This is important. What are these three things again? Let's go through them again. Your heart, your mind, your body, and your mind. As you keep these three things, giving it to God, you build your relationship endlessly. Thank you very much for listening today.